<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to The Diplomat, brought to you by Newsweek. I'm your host, Jason Greenblatt. With tensions rising across the world, diplomacy is needed perhaps now more than ever. During my time as former White House Middle East envoy and as one of the chief architects of peace between Israel and its Arab neighbors, I've had the chance to witness the power of diplomacy firsthand, and today I would like to share that perspective with you. Shalom, salam, and welcome to The Diplomat. President Biden is traveling to Israel and the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. In advance of the trip, he decides to pen an op-ed in the Washington Post on July 9th entitled, Joe Biden, Why I'm Going to Saudi Arabia. He starts the op-ed by saying, next week I'll travel to the Middle East to start a new and more promising chapter of America's engagement there. Kind of an interesting sentence because it's his detachment from the Middle East and his disrespect of Saudi Arabia and the Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman where I would argue he should start a new and more promising chapter of America's engagement, at least with Saudi Arabia. But it's an interesting way to start an op-ed. I also find it sort of amazing that he can write an op-ed, quite lengthy, by the way, and be unwilling to clearly and fully explain to the American public why he's going to Saudi Arabia. The truth is, he's going to Saudi Arabia because we need Saudi Arabia. They're a friend and an ally of the United States, and after insulting the kingdom by saying that he's going to make them the pariah that they are, and that there's very little social redeeming value in Saudi Arabia, all of a sudden, maybe not so much all of a sudden, but he now realizes he needs Saudi Arabia. The United States does need Saudi Arabia. But in this opinion piece that he wrote, he sort of thinks he could hide the ball by burying the real reason for the trip by talking about everything other than the real reason he's going. Let's take it apart. He starts the opinion by explaining to the reader his views of the Middle East. He says, A more secure and integrated Middle East benefits Americans in many ways. Its waterways are essential to global trade and the supply chains we rely on. Its energy resources are vital for mitigating the impact on global supplies of Russia's war in Ukraine. Okay, that's true. Fair enough. President Biden then continues to write, that a region that's coming together through diplomacy and cooperation rather than coming apart through conflict is less likely to give rise to violent extremism that threatens our homeland or new wars that could place new burdens on U.S. military forces and their families. Well, first of all, the region has come together through diplomacy and cooperation because President Trump and the courageous leaders in the Middle East who signed the Abraham Accords almost two years ago and some of the tacit support, or at least understanding of some of the neighbors of those courageous leaders, were the ones who created the diplomacy and the cooperation. Let's be honest, President Trump was the one who brought this together. President Biden didn't bring that diplomacy and cooperation together. But also, even with stability and cooperation, violent extremism is going to continue to exist. Please, let's not be naive, folks. Yeah, stability is great. Cooperation is great but it doesn't deter violent extremism. Let's not pretend 
that violent extremism doesn't exist, will always exist, and we always have to be on the alert for it. And that's one of the reasons the Abraham Accords is so great, because it brings together countries like Israel, the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, and they will work together to fight the violent extremism, but it doesn't reduce or eliminate violent extremism. Also, the war-torn and other hotspots, Syria, Yemen, Lebanon, Iraq, and other parts of the Middle East have not been approved because of the cooperation, and they're not going to improve because of that cooperation anytime soon. President Biden explains that he's going to pursue diplomacy intensely, including through face-to-face meetings, to achieve his goals. Well, that's good, and I guess if you're in the region, I hope you're going to have face-to-face meetings. But let's be honest about who these meetings are with. Presumably, or at least I hope, one of those face-to-face meetings is with the Crown Prince, Mohammed bin Salman. If that's correct, and I'd be surprised if it's not correct, And President Biden, admit it, say it out loud, don't hide the ball with this vague face-to-face meetings phrase. By the way, if he's not meeting Mom and Bin Salman, that would be a big mistake on his part. We'll find that out very soon, but consistently since this trip has been announced, he's been very evasive about whether or not he's going to meet the crown prince, and he should meet the crown prince. President Biden said that the Middle East he's going to be visiting is more stable and secure than the one his administration inherited 18 months ago. I think that's a very unfair statement. He lists various attacks and other instability that's occur- that did occur prior to his inauguration, but the Middle East has always been a rough spot in the world. And pretending that you could take an 18-month snapshot and count the number of attacks during the time since you've been inaugurated and claim that in 18 months you created stability there based on the number of attacks, that's quite a stretch. It's true that for the moment Yemen is calmer, and the Houthi attacks on our friends and allies, the United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia, have lessened for now, and I hope they cease, but I'm not sure if that's realistic. We'll see. But if that's because of President Biden's efforts, he should get credit for that. If the Saudis agree that it's calmer in Yemen because of President Biden, likely they'll give him credit for that. But mostly, President Biden was not much engaged in the Middle East for these past 18 months unless you want to speak about the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan, of which, of course, there's no mention in the opinion at all. No surprise there. When it comes to Iran, President Biden argues that his administration has united with allies and partners in Europe and around the world to reverse the U.S. isolation after President Trump walked away from the JCPOA. Well, we don't need the Europeans for Iran. Disagreeing with Europe about the JCPOA doesn't make us isolated. Many of our Middle Eastern allies thought walking away from the JCPOA was the right decision to do. Being grouped with the ones directly threatened, meaning our Middle East allies, and at odds with the Europeans and other countries, most of those other countries are totally irrelevant to the issue, doesn't mean we're isolated. It means we disagree and we have different interests. European interests are mainly about trading with Iran, making money from Iran. European interests are just not as important as the interests of those in the Middle East, our friends and allies who are threatened. And for President Biden to say that Iran is isolated until it returns to the nuclear deal, the JCPOA, well, that's just flatly untrue. In fact, today, two days after President Biden's opinion piece ran, the Washington Post, yes, the same Washington Post who ran President Biden's opinion, ran a story with this headline. Iran to send hundreds of drones to Russia for use in the Ukraine. The White House reveals Tehran's plan to supply hardware and training for Russian forces. 
So Iran is not isolated. It's working with other bad actors. Ironically, the same Europeans who want to pretend they could do business with Iran are now facing off with Iran on the Ukraine front, as Iran helps Russia attack Ukraine and further destabilize and threaten Europe. Maybe Europe wants to rethink how it views Iran. When Iran threatens Israel and others in the region, Iran's okay for the Europeans. But let's see the reaction to Iran working with Russia to help Russia attack Ukraine. Let's see what happens now. President Biden, it's time to jettison the Europeans and work with Israel, Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, and others on the issue of Iran, on the threat of Iran. Don't work with the Europeans. President Biden writes that in Israel, he helped end a war in Gaza, which could easily have lasted months in just 11 days. That's also not true. During that time, the U.S. sent many mixed signals, and at best, the U.S. may have demanded that Israel cease the fighting. But in the end, Israel did what it needed to do. It might have uh, worked with the U.S. and tried to shorten the time of the conflict, but it did not shorten it if it felt that Israel would be threatened. So if President Biden declared that he created the solution in Gaza and ended a conflict in just 11 days, is completely, completely false. He did not end the war in 11 days. As President Biden is prone to saying, come on, man. Worse still, he says, we've worked with Israel, Egypt, Qatar, and Jordan to maintain the peace without permitting terrorists to rearm. That's a wild claim. If he thinks that Hamas is not rearming, if he thinks they're not building more missiles, potentially even digging more tunnels, I don't know who's giving him intelligence information or what he's thinking, but there is no way that Hamas is sitting there twiddling their thumbs and saying, we're not going to rearm. He says, we also rebuilt U.S. ties with the Palestinians, working with Congress as administration restored approximately $500 million in support for the Palestinians. Look, folks, the, the issue with the Palestinians is for another podcast, and my book is out now. It's definitely worth picking up. You can buy it on Amazon, In the Path of Abraham, or go to inthepathofabraham.com to learn more about that. But to claim that as a success, to say that he spent $500 million of U.S. taxpayer money to support the Palestinians, and that's a political achievement or an achievement at all, it's not an achievement. And this week, an Israeli prime minister spoke to the president of the Palestinian Authority for the first time in five years. Well, okay, there too, that's not an achievement of President Biden. The Israeli government fell. Yair Lapid went in. Yair Lapid chose to speak with President Abbas. Fine. He's the Prime Minister of Israel now. He has the ability to speak to President Abbas. If you think that's a good idea, that's fine. I have no problem with engagement. But that was a decision by Prime Minister Lapid. The U.S. doesn't get points because Prime Minister Lapid and President Abbas spoke. And by the way, if they spoke, do you think peace is going to break out? Do you think anything meaningful is going to happen? No. I'm glad they spoke, but it's not something that he should be writing about in a Washington Post op-ed, which is intended to explain why he's going to Saudi Arabia, because it has nothing to do with his trip to Saudi Arabia. Then, President Biden spends an entire paragraph trying to talk about all the things he did to rein in Saudi Arabia. He says he reversed the blank check policy that he inherited, but he doesn't have any specifics. I'm frankly not sure how the Washington Post let him get away with that sentence. The op-ed was much longer than a usual op-ed, he could have used those extra words to explain that vague claim. He then goes through a list of things he demanded of the Saudis. This paragraph is the key to him trying to explain why it's okay for him to go to Saudi Arabia now. But he forgets to explain that he has to go to Saudi Arabia 
because he needs Saudi Arabia. Oddly, he claims that from the start, his aim was to reorient but not rupture relations with the kingdom. That's also not true. During his presidential campaign, what he said was that he would make Saudi Arabia the pariah that they are. He said Saudi Arabia's government has very little social redeeming value, and that under a Biden-Harris administration, we will reassess our relationship with the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and U.S. support for Saudi Arabia's war in Yemen, and make sure that America does not check its values at the door to sell arms or buy oil. That's not a mere reorientation. Sounds to me more like he's reorienting his own words. He writes that, I know there are many who disagree with my decision to travel to Saudi Arabia. My views on human rights are clear and long-standing, and fundamental freedoms are always on the agenda when I travel aboard, as they will be during this trip, just as they will be in Israel and the West Bank. Wow, bringing up Israel in this context in order to placate his critics for a visit to Saudi Arabia? That's a poor choice. What's the relevance of Israel in that sentence, or the comparison he's trying to make? That's an awful statement. Again, bending himself into a pretzel, he says that to work for greater stability in a consequential region of the world, he has to directly engage with countries that can impact those outcomes and that Saudi Arabia is one of them. Well, it's true that one has to engage with countries that can impact outcomes. But why not just admit that Saudi Arabia is not just to be engaged with for greater stability, but because it's a friend and ally of the United States. Just admit it, Joe Biden. Say it. Come on, man. One of my favorite lines in the piece is where he says, when I meet with Saudi leaders on Friday, his aim will be to strengthen a strategic partnership. Which leaders? Admit who you're meeting with. You're not just meeting with King Salman. You're going to meet with the crown prince. Say it. Don't hide it behind words. And this next part is really good. Here we go. On Friday, I will also be the first president to fly from Israel to Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. That travel will be a small symbol of the budding relations and steps towards normalization between Israel and the Arab world. Give me a break. What happened in 2017? President Trump was the first president to fly from Saudi Arabia to Israel. That's been taken already, Joe Biden. You can't now choose a different city pair and say that because you're going to be flying from Tel Aviv to a different city in Saudi Arabia, that you're the first president to fly from Israel to Saudi Arabia. Now, cleverly, technically, you're right. You are the first president to fly in the reverse from Israel to Saudi Arabia rather than Saudi Arabia to Israel. And yes, you've chosen a different city pair. You're flying to Jeddah rather than Riyadh. But President Trump already opened that door. You can't take credit for that. Perhaps the most glaring omission in the opinion piece is that he said nothing about oil and what President Biden will ask of Saudi Arabia regarding oil. Why? He doesn't want to acknowledge that a significant purpose, perhaps his main purpose in going to Saudi Arabia, is to see if he can get the Saudis to help with oil prices. Energy prices are sky high, and this and other factors, many would say many other factors, have caused President Biden's political fortune to take a nosedive, deeply harming President Biden's political position ahead of the midterm elections. But instead of being a man and admitting that one, if not the main reason for the trip, to Saudi Arabia is to help with oil prices, he tries to hide the purpose of the trip behind a human rights theme. He comes up with a creative description that he's going there for stability of the Middle East and to continue the cooperative vibe that he pretends he created rather than admit the truth. The truth is that he blundered during the campaign by insulting a key ally of ours, Saudi Arabia, 
and he continued bad policy by continuing to isolate Saudi Arabia during the past 18 months, and he tried to isolate the crown prince. He now has egg on his face. He needs to go to Saudi Arabia hat in hand and ask for help. But he doesn't want some of his fellow Democrats and some others who are vehemently against the trip to fight him on this. Well, Mr. President, those Democrats and others who oppose the trip and the American public are much smarter than you give them credit for. Do us a favor. Just be honest about why you're going, what you're doing. It's okay to admit if you made a mistake. Just tell the crown prince in Saudi Arabia you were wrong, or you're sorry, or that the world and politics are much, much messier than you thought. In any case, I wish you safe travels, President Biden. I wish you success on this important trip. I hope you come back with some important wins. And in addition to oil, I hope you tackle the most important issue. Figure out Iran with our friends and allies in the Middle East, not with Europe. Listeners, my book is out. In the Path of Abraham, it is being shipped by Amazon starting on Monday. It's already available on Audible. It is time to order it. If you haven't ordered it yet, if you're fascinated about the Middle East, if you want to learn more about President Biden's trip, what he should do, what he shouldn't do, read it maybe even after his trip to understand what he did, what he did right, what he did wrong, go to Amazon, order In the Path of Abraham, or go to inthepathofabraham.com. I'm Jason Greenblatt. This is The Diplomat, brought to you by Newsweek. Thank you.